Okay, we are in Joshua, chapter 7 and 8 tonight. <coughs> we had a couple pretty exciting weeks. We had them crossing a million strong, crossing over the Jordan River. And following the Ark of the Covenant, the Jordan River stopped, and they were able to cross. That was a pretty exciting time. Then last week, we had the fall of Jericho, as Joshua meets Jesus looking at Jericho, has a discussion with him, and he tells him, here's how you're going to do it. And so they go and they do it. And uh, the last uh, verse of Joshua 6, so the Lord was with Joshua and his fame was noised throughout all the country. Everybody's talking about Joshua and his conquest of the city of Jericho, which was a major city. Big city, a lot of business there, and uh, they destroyed it. Now, we're going to start chapter 7 at verse number 2. Put your hand over verse number 1. Don't be reading it. No. Don't be cheating. We're going to start at verse 2. Now that you've all read verse 1, I know, I know how you are. We're starting at verse 2 because we have to get in our mind that something happened here and we got to come at it in the right direction. Think about what's happened. I got to tell you, this, these passages send a little chill down my spine. This is not simple stuff. This is major things that we were talking about living the Christian life and being uh, able to get the things that God has. We had lists. God expects people. Uh, Joshua, remember, he said, we want you to work. We want you to obey. Don't go to the right or left. Right? We want you to meditate on the gospel. Remember, we said, no complaining. No complaining was another one. Those are the things that Joshua was, no fear. No fear. All right. And so we're talking about a list of things that's necessary for us to get what God has for us. And that's what we're talking about. That God has a larger thing than we have now. To get it, we have to follow these instructions. So we're starting at verse. Two. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethaven, even to the east side of Bethel, and spake to them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. So they finished the destruction of Jericho. The next town down the road is a little place called Ai. Right? And so uh, they're off to Ai, and they're going to check it out and see what's over there. Verse 3, they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai. And make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So there went up thither of the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai. So the spies say, uh, Look, there's no hardly anybody there. It's not worth the trouble. They don't send a whole army, for heaven's sakes. It's a little tiny place, like getting East Shelby, all right? <laughs> so you don't need all those people. Send 3,000. So they send 3,000 troops, and it says they fled before the men of Ai. Verse 5, and the men of Ai smote them, about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate even to Shebarim, and smote them in the going down, or outside of the city there are hills where they're going down, all right? And they get some of these guys in the hills and smote them in the going down. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And so uh, they have a, a defeat. They're defeated at AI. There's 3,000 men. They, 36 of them die at the hands of the men of AI. And they were going running back uh, and say, I can't believe it, but uh, we lost. We lost. All right, now, there's a old, old promise 
and it's in Leviticus chapter number 26. This is one of the great passages in Leviticus because it has an amazing history. Leviticus chapter 26. And God says way back, talking to Moses, he says, I'm going to tell you how it's going to go. If you do what I ask you to, do what I say, these wonderful things are going to happen to you. If you don't, here's a list of what's going to happen. And we can go through this whole list and every one of these things happens. And so here's what he says, Leviticus 26 at verse 13. I'm the Lord your God which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their bondsmen. I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you go upright. And if you will not hearken to me and will not do these commandments, if you despise my statutes or if your soul abhor my judgments, so that you will not do all my commandments, but that you break my covenant, I also will do this to you. I will even appoint over you terror and consumption and the burning ague that shall consume the eyes, cause a sorrow of heart. You shall sow your seed in vain, or your enemies shall eat. So you're going to send sickness on you. All right. Your planting is going to be stolen. All that happened. Verse 17, I will set my face against you. You shall be slain before your enemies. They that hate you shall reign over you. And you shall flee when none pursueth you. So, here's 3,000 men. They've gone to this little town. It has a wall that is insignificant, but it does have a little wall. And they go up to the town, march up, and the guys come out, and they turn around, and they run. And they run. And they lose. Seriously lose the battle. And they run. And it says they, f they flee when nobody's pursuing. What made them turn around and run? Why did they just say, let's get out of here, turn around and go? Something happened. All right, let's go on. Verse 6. <clears throat> Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide. He and the elders of Israel and put dust on their heads. So they're all gathered around the ark of the covenant, laying on the ground, praying. And here's Joshua's prayer. Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us to the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? With the God we've been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. That don't sound like Joshua. He came across that river. He marched around Jericho. And now he's saying, I, <laughs> is this, this isn't a good thing. We just got whipped by a little tiny town down the road. Let's see if he can redeem himself. Eight. O oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it, shall environ us around or circle us, cut us off our name from the earth, and what will thou do unto thy great name? All right, so uh, his first, he's a little, whi little whiny. We should have stayed over on the other side of Jordan. Uh, it's, it's, but he redeems himself. He says, I, my concern is, the reason I'm worried is God's name. I'm concerned about God's name. And if we get beat, and if we lose, people go, I guess that God didn't amount to much. He was good for one city, but he couldn't go to the next one. And so, that's his concern, and God's okay. Remember, friends, that uh, that should always be our concern, too. Always needs to be the church's concern. If people watch us, what will they think of God by the way we behave? All right? That's a very important thing. How does our behavior reflect on God? And that's, that's a huge thing. We really got to be right. And Joshua's right in what he's saying. He says, we're going to lose these battles, especially that one. 
people are going to say, well, that God couldn't, couldn't handle AI. A little hick town up by the hill. All right, so we're going to look a bit. And our behavior reflects on God a lot more than we think. COVID came along and churches were closed all across America. That's a reflection on God. I understand that's a reflection on God. All right? We cannot go to church. It's okay. We don't have to go. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's a reflection on God. It reflected very poorly on God. You say, well, you know, we don't want to get COVID. Well, nobody wants to, but if you get it, it's going to happen. Sometimes you know, we're seeing plenty of that, right? But there's something more important, and that's the name of God. And so we represent God on this earth. We are his representatives. And all people are going to know about God is what they see in us. A lot of people are never going to open that Bible, ever. Never. They're never going to come through the church door. But they are going to look at us. And they're going to draw that from us. So we have this <coughs> very uh, important thing that Joshua says. He said, we can't lose. If we're losing, then we better get out of here. So <clears throat> let's see what God says. Verse 10. God said to Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face. I love that verse. Get up. You've been laying there all day. Right? They come back defeated, 36 dead, and they come back defeated. Say, we just ran. We got out of there and ran. And uh, Joshua drops down on his face and prays. And that's good. That's a good thing to pray. But sometimes uh, that's not enough. I've known a lot of people in my life. You say, well, would you like to serve the Lord? Well, I'll pray about that. <laughs> that means they don't want to. They're going to pray about it. See? It's okay to pray about things. It's a good thing. We should pray about things. But there's a time when God said, get up. Come on. Don't be laying there all day. Get up. That's what he said to Joshua. Get up off, your, off the ground. We can't do it this way. Verse 11. Israel has sinned. They have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing, and also have stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it amongst their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore, except you destroy the accursed from among you. Up! Get up, Joshua. Sanctify the people. Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God, it is a cursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before their enemies till you take away the accursed thing from among you. Now, back to verse 1, the one we skipped. Children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. So we have identified in verse 1 this guy whose name is Achan. Achan is the culprit here, and he took of the, what King James calls the accursed thing, probably... Uh, the right word there would be devoted. I mentioned this last week. The devoted things. What God said was, uh, you go to Jericho, everything there belongs to me. It's not yours. It all belongs to me. So I want it burned I want it destroyed. I don't want nothing left. If you see a golden bowl, if you see a brass pitcher, you can take that and bring it to the temple, and we'll use it in the temple. But everything else, I want it all destroyed. I want it all burned. I don't want it. And he said, uh, somebody, he didn't tell 
Yahshua who? See, that's why we skip verse 1. Because first of all, Joshua doesn't know that this happened. Neither does the army. Neither do the spies. Nobody knows it happened except for God. He's the only one that knew what happened. And so Joshua, oh, there's the next city. Off we go. Let's get it. So off they go, and they get whipped, and he can't figure it out. What happened? We're not supposed to be in this way. No, you got beat by a little town called Ai, and the reason is somebody stole something, somebody lied about it, and somebody hid it. All right? Those are basic sins. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. Right? And what happened in the Garden of Eden, as soon as they realized they sinned, what did they do? They hide. They hide. And so we have the very basic sins listed here. It's going to go on beyond that. Uh, covet. The coveting. All right. And we say, well, that's a pretty good list of what happened. No, that's not really what it's about. Understand, that's not really what it's about. Jericho was a symbol of rebellion against God. We would call it uh, Vanity Fair. Remember Pilgrim's Progress and Vanity Fair, where we got everything that the world has to offer. Come in and you'll find something for you. Right? That's the way Jericho is, like Vanity Fair. We got it all. We don't need God. We got everything else we, you need. You come here and we will keep God out of it and we will do that. So, Achan finds something. Well, we still don't know what it is. He finds something and he stole it. Who did he steal from? Stole from God. God said, everything in Jericho is mine. You don't touch it. I want it burned. Why? Because it's a symbol of rebellion. Now, there's thousands of Israelites that are soldiers. And when they're going around Jericho the last day seven times, and they blow the trumpet and they shout, and the walls fall down. They go rushing in. They got their orders. Kill and burn. Animals, kill them. People, kill them. Everybody dies. And then burn everything that there is. I want it burned till it's this big smoking heap. And it stayed that way for over 500 years. That's the way I want it. I don't want nothing left. And so everybody's doing that. Except for one guy. One guy. And what's he saying in his head before he does that? I don't, I don't have to do that. It's rebellion against God. That God said, make sure you don't take anything. And the first thought in this guy's head is rebellion. That doesn't apply to me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take what I want. And so he does. And now God tells Joshua, who didn't know what was happening, okay? He didn't know what was happening. Uh, he tells him somebody has taken something out of Jericho. So I want you to find in verse 14. <clears throat> in the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes. It shall be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the families thereof. And the family which the Lord shall take shall come to the household. Household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. So they're going to cast lots somehow. So bring 
there's all the 12 tribes. And they go around and draw a straw or cast a lot somehow, and the tribe of Judah. Okay, all right. And then we go to the next one. We're going to find a family. So in the tribe of Judah, we go through the various families, and the lot falls on this family. Right. Then what? Well, then we're going to go to the households. Go to the household. And last thing, we're going one man at a time out of that household. All right. Verse 15. Shall be that he said is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire, he and all that he had, because he transgressed the covenant of the Lord, because he has wrought folly in Israel. So there's the instructions. Joshua rose up early in the morning, brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the family of Judah, and he took the family of the Zerhites. He brought the family of the Zerhites, man by man, and Zabdi was taken. All right, so now we got the father. And he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, was taken. All right. So now Joshua knows who did it. Right? He didn't know it before, but now he knows who did it. Why did God do that? Why didn't God just say, Joshua, he did it? You got a chance to repent. How much rebellion was in Achan? Well, they just picked your tribe. <laughs> Maybe I can, I can, I'd be all right. Then they picked uh, your family. And then they picked your house. And somebody ought to be saying, <laughs> this isn't working out. Me, but he doesn't say a word. <clears throat> 19. Joshua said to Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel. Make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus I have done. I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment, and 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight coveted them I wanted them I wanted them they weren't mine but I wanted them and took them and behold they're hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver is under it now there's about $3,500 would be in our money and then there's a garment I'm sure it was a fabulous garment made in Babylon What's he going to do with that? He's going to wear it out? He can't even. What are you going to do with it? But coveting the desire to have. What are you, you going to do with money even? <laughs> what are you going to buy? You know, they're living in tents and moving through the promised land. What are you going to do with money? But there's a, there's a drive and a desire in him and he cannot resist it. All right. So he stole from God, lied about it, hid it, covered it, and because that, they lost the, the battle. Now, here's brings up these very, very serious questions. The Lord departed from them. They went to battle. God wasn't with them. But they didn't know it. They didn't know that God had left. God left. He didn't go with it. But because they don't know it, they go and they got beat. That ever happened before. Remember a guy named Samson? And Samson says, I got up the last three times and whipped him. I'll do it this time. And he shook his head and got out of bed. And it says, he didn't know that God departed from him. Now, when we look at passages like this, we read very carefully, think about it. Uh, 
<coughs> because we're always looking for something to explain things. But there's nothing to explain this. There it is. They went to war without God. Didn't know that God wasn't going to be with them and bless them. That he left them behind. So is it possible for God to leave us and we don't know it? Didn't he say, I will never leave you or forsake you? What happened here? What happened to Samson? See, it is possible that we're doing what we call the Lord's work and doing it without his blessing. It's entirely possible that that could happen. And so it's a pretty serious question here that we got to answer. And then we go another step further to the, to the more difficult question. Could we lose God's blessing over one person's sin? There's only one. There's a million people in Israel. And Achan was the one who, in defiance of God, took the Babylonian coat and the money he found with it and hid it in his tent and refused to say anything. And they're going through tribe after tribe and household after household, and finally man to man, till they finally come to him. All right. God gives him a chance, but he doesn't repent. <clears throat> and so God is angry. And I think our weakness is that we underestimate God's anger. I think you can kind of do what you want. Okay. Well, we just hit like four of the commandments, Ten Commandments. He hit four of them. Stealing and lying and coveting and uh, rebellion against God. We've hit four of them and uh, yeah, it's, it's okay. God don't mind. But I can do what I want. I can say what I want. I can do what I want. And God's not going to bother me. Are you so sure? Are you so sure that that's true? That's a pretty scary question. So we have this situation here that uh, Deliberate sin brings a spiritual deadness, and God says, I'm not here to bless that, and we don't even know he's gone. We don't know he's gone. Could that happen in church? Well, sometimes we've got to look at the reality of something like this and say, does God work become repetitive? become boring? Is it uninspiring? <clears throat> Do you wander off? Is that what happens? Achan is the example of that. <clears throat> what do you want? Are you hungry? Do you want more of God? Or are you just kind of fading away slowly? And maybe God has withdrawn his hand of blessing. Can we all be punished for one person's sin? Tough question. That's a hard question. That's what happened here. All right, and you're going to say, well, Achan did it. It's not fair because Joshua didn't know, right? Joshua didn't know what happened. You can say, well, that's not fair. How can Joshua be expected to know when a guy's hiding things? Would God do that to our church? Is that possible? I told you this would send a chill down my spine when I think about this. Don't underestimate God's anger at sin. 
There's open rebellion. He said, take nothing from Jericho. It's all mine. And that's what everybody but one guy followed that rule. And he's surrounded with people all around that are burning and burning and burning. And I'm sure they've burned some fabulous things. Burn it up, burn it up. But he said, I want it, it's mine. And so they, we got to think about in our hearts when rebellion comes against God, we got to get rid of it. We got to think about that because that's what goes on to coveting and then stealing and lying and all the rest. Where it starts is, I don't know. So uh, we got to root out rebellion when we feel it in our heart and we really got to think about it. And uh, there's a strong urge on his part to take that coat and that money. And that urge is powerful. And that's where we got to remember is that Achan's urge to see that garment and not take it was more than he could handle. He's just got this tremendous urge. Even though we say, oh, what's he going to do with it? He's not going to wear the thing. All right, they'd know immediately. So the question comes, basically, in this situation, um, how much do you enjoy God's presence? How much do you enjoy God's presence. The number one priority for our lives is to stay in God's presence, keep close, stay in tune with God. That's the first priority that we really got to think about. We're going to really get this right. Say, well, it's not fair that a corporate body should pay for individual sins. I'm going to tell you, I can't deal with that question. I don't know what to say about it. Except for one thing occurs to me, and that's this. I better make sure it's not me. Right? Better make sure it's not me who's in rebellion. It's not me who's doing what God doesn't want. I better make sure of that, real sure that that's the case. So you know, say, well, what are we going to do? Go around and look at everybody and find a sinner? <laughs> Might have quite a list by the time we're done. Huh? Yeah, yeah. But rebellion is different than just sins. Rebellion is deep thing, and God is rooting out the whole Canaanite population because of it. And so he's not going to have it in these people. He's not going to put up with it. So what are we going to do with him? Verse 22, Joshua sent messengers. They ran to the tent. Behold, it was hid in his tent and the silver under it. <coughs> they took them out of the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold and his sons and daughters and oxen and asses and sheep in his tent and all that he had and brought them into the valley of Achor. Achor comes up again and again. It means trouble. Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us this day? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones, burned him with fire, after they stoned him with stones, raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore the place was called the Valley of Achor, or trouble, unto this day. So they stoned him to death. And then they burned all the bodies, and then they piled stones on top of him. Those were great big mound of stones. And there's him under there. He troubled Israel, and we took care of that. 
said, well, we're going to do that in church? <laughs> we're not going to do that. But we have to think about this. Now, I want you to turn. There's a very famous passage. It's in Ezekiel. Book of Ezekiel, chapter number 18. Book of Ezekiel, chapter number 18. This is probably the best passage in the Bible to describe how God feels about what just happened. All right. There's no passage, I think, better that describes it. And so, Ezekiel chapter 18, we start with the basic rule, verse 20. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. That's the rule. We sin, we're on that track. And now, here it is. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him. The wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. The wicked will turn from his sins that he has committed to keep all my statutes, do what is lawful and right. He shall surely live. He shall not die. Achan did not do that. He just stayed and stayed and stayed until finally he said, well, you did it. You're the last man. You did it. All right. So he didn't turn from his sins. Now, what he's saying here to us, we all are in a situation where the soul of sins, it shall die. But, he said, there is an individual responsibility. So if the father sins, doesn't come on the son's head. The son comes, doesn't come on the father's head. Verse 22. All his transgressions that he has committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. In his righteousness that he has done, he shall live. Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord, and not that he should return from his ways and live? God says, I don't want that to happen. I didn't want that to happen to Achan. It's not what I wanted. What I wanted for him was to him to say, I did this and I really messed up. He didn't until they finally looked him right in the eye and said, you did it. We know you did it. All right. When the righteous, verse 24, turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and doeth according to all the abominations that the wicked men doeth, shall he live. All his righteousness he has done shall not be mentioned. In his trespass he has trespassed. In his sin he has sinned. In them shall he die. So he says, if people turn away from me and become very rebellious against me, he said, then I am not going to go back and say, well, you were nice when you were younger. Now you're an old mess. No, he said, that won't count. I'm looking at the sin. And so people say, well, I don't know. That's not fair. Verse 25. Yet you say the way of the Lord is not equal or not fair. Well, God's not fair. Here now, my house of Israel, is not my way equal? Are not your ways unequal? There you go. <laughs> Just, it's not me that's not being fair. I offer repentance and I give you every opportunity to repent. Your, I've explained to you what not to do. Don't take stuff out of Jericho. Clear as a bell. I told you not to do it. If you do it, it's pure rebellion on your part, he said. So don't say that God is not fair. That's not how it works, all right? That's not how it works. 26, when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and dieth in them for his iniquity that he hath done, shall he die. And again, when the wicked man turns away from his wickedness that he has committed, do that which is lawful and right, he shall save his soul alive. And so we have here individual responsibility for sin. You can't just say, I did it once, I'm all set. No, if you go turn against God, then that's going to be held against you. So you say, well, I thought once I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven forever. Just don't go there, all right? Just don't, don't say, well, I'm going to walk that line and see how far I can go. No, 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 no. Don't go there, all right? They say it's not fair for a corporate body to suffer because of one. Well, 
Apparently God said, yeah, this is the way it's going to be because I'm really angry at what happened. My point in Jericho was rebellion must be destroyed. And one of the people I sent in to enforce that law rebelled. And I'm not going to have it. I am not going to have it. So it's a very serious passage. It brings up some questions that we do something to deal with. You know. Will God abandon people? Yeah, I think he will. The Bible has it over and over again. We just read it there. You're going to go your own way and rebel and that's what's going to happen. So it's a pretty dangerous <coughs> situation that they find themselves in. Now let's go back to Joshua chapter 8. They had a mess there. And they did what they could to find out who it was. He had opportunity. He didn't take it. Now he's dead and buried under a big pile of stones. Him and his family and even his animals are all gone. Chapter 8. The Lord said to Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee. Arise, go to Ai. I have given the hand of the king of Ai, his people, his city, and, and his land. And so you're going to go, now we fixed it. We dealt with the issue. Now you can go. And verse 2, And thou shalt do to Ai and her king as thou did to Jericho and her king, only the spoil thereof, the cattle thereof, so you take for prey to yourselves. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. So he said, what I want you to do is um, I'm going to give you the spoils this time. Because this is just a little no-account place. And they whipped you. We got it straightened out. So you're going to go and uh, I'm going to allow you to take animals and things. So, but I want you to set an ambush. Now, last time we took 3,000 men, ran up to the city. They came running out of the city and drove them away. So, this time, <coughs> he said, we're going to set an ambush. So, we'll go be at night, I'm going to send 30,000 guys on the other side of AI. This time, they're all playing. <laughs> they 3,000. Right. They're all in it together. And now they're unified, aren't they? And it together. That means a lot, my friends. It means a lot. So he puts 30,000 at night on the backside of Ai. And Joshua said, all right, I'm going to lead the force, and we're coming in. And uh, I'll let you know what you should do. <clears throat> Verse 9, Joshua therefore sent them forth. They went to the lion ambush, abode between Bethel and Ai on the west side of Ai. Joshua lodged that night among the people. He rose up early in the morning, numbered the people, went up, he and the elders of Israel before the people of Ai. And all the people, even the people of war that were with him, went up, drew nigh, came before the city, pitched on the north side of Ai. There's a valley between them and Ai. So he's got an ambush behind the city, and they're waiting for Joshua. Somehow they can see him from a distance. And uh, <coughs> so the people of Ai say, here they come again. Let's go get them. And out they go. And Joshua says, everybody run. Now let's run like we did last time. And they run and they run. And once they're out, they get everybody out of the city. And matter of fact, there was two cities, Bethel, people of Bethel by then had joined Ai. So now there's two cities, two Two, men, two groups of armies joined together. That's what happens. You give them a little inch, they take a mile. Right? And it says, Joshua, <coughs> verse 18, Lord said to Joshua, stretch out the spirits in thy hand towards Ai, and I will give it to his hand. So he stretches out the spirit. They can see him on the backside. And that means your turn. And they run in the backside of Ai and set the whole thing on fire. Now there's nothing but smoldering flames and smoke going up. And the men of Ai look around. Look. And now they come out of the city that they just set on fire. And so now there's 30,000 men coming towards them. 
And there's Joshua and all these men who have now stopped and turned around and coming back. All right. This time, nobody left. All right. Verse 28. Joshua burned Ai, made it a heap forever, even a desolation to this day. King of Ai, he hanged on a tree until even tide. As soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded they should take his carcass down from the tree, cast it at the entering of the city gate, rise on a great heap of stones that remaineth there till this day. So, okay, we got him. We destroyed the whole town. The population's all gone. We took the king, hung him up as an example. All right, there he's hanging there. He says, okay, let's take him down. And cover him up. What do we do next? Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we meditate (laughs) and obey? Why don't we do that? Let's do that next. So that we get it in our heads what's right. Verse 31. Moses, a servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel, as written the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man lift up any iron, they offered their own burnt offerings to the Lord, sacrifice, peace offerings. So they make a big altar. They do it with stones that have never been carved. That's God's rule. He made those stones. All right? I said, I made them the way I want them. You don't touch them. <laughs> All right? So you're going to make a big round circle, and we're going to sacrifice animals on it. And I'm sure the animals that they got from Ai, they're going to offer back to God as a sacrifice to him. And they're making burnt offerings. A burnt offering means I'm all for God. Take the whole animal, put it on the altar, burn it, burn the whole thing. I'm all for God. It's a whole burnt offering. And then peace offerings. So we offer a sacrifice. And a peace offering is some of it comes back to you. And you can feast on it. All right. So you got the two types of offering. He wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel. So he's writing the Ten Commandments on another stone. All right, not part of the altar, but on another stone. And all Israel and their elders and their officers and judges stood on this side of the ark, on that side before the priests, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, as well as the stranger, he that was born among them, half of them over against Mount Gerizim, the other half of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded before they should bless the people of Israel. So they got the ark of the covenant, half of the million is over here, the other half a million is over there. They're offering sacrifices and the smoke is going up to God. And God always says, I, I smell it. I got it. I smell. What does he smell? Your obedience. He smells your obedience. You can smell it when you're doing what you should. And then what does he do 34? Afterwards he read all the words of the law, blessings and cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There's not a word of all that Moses commanded which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel, with the women, the little ones, the strangers that were conversant among them. So, remember, God told them to meditate on the scriptures. He said, I think we're all going to meditate today, folks. I'm going to read the whole Bible, which would be Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's quite a little project to read, all right? What's he trying to do? The warnings are there. Here's what you do. If you don't do it, it's what's going to happen to you. I want you to understand. Make it clear to you that there's a responsibility on your part to cooperate with God, to do what he wants you to do. On the other side of that is a possibility that we could lose God's blessing because we just, eh, I think I'm going to do whatever I feel like doing. I love that Babylonian code. Let's take her home. Well, that's God's. Don't you take it. <laughs> so it's a very serious question where the whole nation suffers for one man. Right? And God 
gives him a chance to repent. And that's why in, in the two chapters is such an interesting contrast. In the first chapter, we read Rahab the harlot, who's a prostitute and who accepts God and is delivered. Now we got a guy who's from the tribe of Judah, the main tribe of Israel, and grown up along with everybody else, knows exactly what's expected of him, doesn't do it, and what happens? He's piled under them stones right there, burned to a crisp. All right, so it's interesting. God says, I, can, I want you to, I don't want to kill people. I want you to live. I want you to accept. It's what I want. I'm not going to hold other people responsible. But it may come up sometime where I pull my hand of blessing back if there's that much rebellion among God's people. That's a chilling thought. It's a chilling thought. There are pastors who go after people. I knew one pastor, he always had about 20 people for years. And I asked him one day, I said, so you're growing over there? He says, well, I get them in and we get them saved and then I tell them you straighten out and fly right or you're gone. And they're gone. <laughs> and I think he kind of missed the point maybe of it. You know, uh, but I understand sometimes when something happens, you think, oh man, can we afford that in our church? Can we afford to tempt God and just have God say, look, what am I supposed to do? You're an out and out rebellion. Am I supposed to bless it? No, he's not. So that's a chilling passage. And what happens <coughs> comes out in the end, and of course they destroy Ai through God's instructions again. Remember? God instructed Jericho, right? Here's how you're going to do it. March around six days, seven days, seven times, seven trumpets, seven priests, and down it goes. All right? This time he says, let's make an ambush, shall we? Joshua, get those 30,000 people behind there, and they'll come running out like they own the place. And then we'll own the place. We'll burn it to the ground. And they're sandwiched between two armies. They haven't got a chance. So uh, the fall of AI is a hesitation. So you think you want everything that God wants. Don't think that you can flaunt God and say, I don't have to do that. I love that coat. I'm taking it. That's 3500 bucks. In my pocket. No. 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 We've got to be cautious. It's a warning that as these people are going to go and serve the Lord and do his will, which is to claim the promised land, that they have to be careful and remember, do what God said. All right, next week we go on to another crazy story about... Something you never dreamed would happen, all right? Thank you.